Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today we have a returning guest, my really good friend, Eric Bussey. We just came back from being at the Proven Conference in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this past weekend, the Proven Conference is uh, Jim Cockrum's conference, and it's uh, a lot of Amazon sellers, and um, it, it was awesome. Just making uh, new connections, seeing old friends, and Eric is definitely one of those. We... He's been on this episode on the show before, and he talked about how to overcome shiny object syndrome. So on this episode, we got an update on what's going on in his business. He now has four retail stores. His business is called Extra Mile Tools. He has a tool liquidation business and puts those uh, tools in a retail store. We just had a lot of fun laughing, talking about business ideas. But guys, this episode really helped me a lot. Um, thinking about, um, he's just at a different level in his business. He's at a point to where if he walks into his retail store, his guys tell him to leave because they don't want him to mess up anything. He doesn't know how to ring anybody up, um, which you would think, man, in his own business, he should, but he's just at, at a level where he is just, he's thinking about his business rather than doing a lot of work in his business. And we all want to get to a point to where we are not always doing all the work. I heard um, uh, a snippet from Grant Cardone earlier, I think it was last week, where he said, you want to be the investor, not the boss. The boss is the one that he's doing all the work. And he's saying the investor doesn't really have to think much about the business anymore. Now, Eric thinks about his business. He's a He's got two other partners, so they definitely think about the business. But he's just doing so little work now in it that it frees him up to think about how to grow it. And that's where I want to be too. And so he mentioned, if you're the boss, your job is to create the vision, to make sure there's enough money in the business and to build relationships. And those are your three main tasks. And so I learned a lot. I know this will hopefully bless you too. We went through, if you're an Amazon seller, you're going to love this because we went through an example of if he had to go back to only selling on Amazon, what he would do to grow that business to where he is now above it, thinking more strategically, thinking more visionary rather than being in it, doing all the work. So you'll love that part for those of you that are doing solely um, an e-commerce business. But here's my interview with my good buddy, Eric Bussey. Eric, welcome back to Streams of Income, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Always good to talk to you. Good talking to you. And thank you so much for coming to the Proven Conference this year. It was so good to see you in person again. It feels like forever. Yeah, yeah, it did feel like a long time. Uh, you know, I've been every single year. I know it's hard for everybody to get there all to the same conference yep. every year, but felt like all of us were kind of back together again. It was awesome. I, exactly. It was like a. It's like it is like a family. Yep. It feels like the first time I met you, there was just an instant connection. Um, I remember Hank. Remember the house we rented when we went to that. Uh, we were at a. We hosted a conference out in California. We had that big house, um, yep. and we were talking about. <laughs> This is so random. We were talking about the, I was cutting up the bananas in little tiny chunks for Callan. And you're like, we just give our girls the whole banana. I'm like, what? Are you serious? Like you can do that. <laughs> so many funny things happen on that trip. And I think that's, uh, that's the most important thing uh, about the community and about you guys. And why, when you guys weren't at the last conference, I missed right. you so much was uh, um, it's, it's so little, you know, everything, our relationship has little to do with business. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
it's just it's a uh, laughing and helping each other and enjoying each other and, and yeah. to me that's what makes the the greatest business relationships is being able to do that so i know uh, yeah that's it's always hilarious to hang out with you yeah. guys you don't even really sell on Amazon anymore. I know your store, you're going to, you guys are selling on Amazon. You, you have your manager that runs that for you from your, for your store and your tools. We'll get into that. But so why did you even come to that conference? Um, you know, it was, uh, it was more so about the relationships. It was, uh, you know, it was interesting and I don't know, uh, you know, if this is going to make a whole lot of sense. Um, but I feel a lot like uh, I'm being led, you know, certain yeah. places throughout yeah, no, my business. No, no, no. Uh, that makes right total now. sense so, to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. So yeah, I didn't have any uh, goal in mind, anything right. that I wanted to accomplish. I know I wanted to see uh, all the people who um, I had relationships with and, and yeah. keep up with those relationships and, and yeah. trust that whatever conversation I, I found myself in was exactly the one that I was supposed to be mm, in. So That's good. Yeah. The Holy spirit leads us and shows us, I mean, cause I, I'm praying about like a conference to do I, there's a, something in November that I'm thinking about, do I go to that? And just starting to feel like, no, that's not really a place where I need to be. And so I, I totally get that. And a lot of my listeners do too. You want to be Holy spirit led when you're trying to decide what to do in your business. Cause I mean, it wouldn't be like mm-hmm. horrible if you decided to do it and you didn't really, you missed it, but you know, that's a, you're taking time away from your family. So you want to be at the right place at the right time. So. Right. Right. A good, a great example, just real quick was, uh, I had just had my uh, 20th high school reunion uh-huh. and, uh, and for whatever reason, I, I felt like I needed, I didn't end up going to it, but leading up to it, I just felt, you know, I, I just feel like I'm being led to, to go. Yeah. Um, like there was a key relationship that was going to move me ahead personally, professionally, whatever it was, it's all the same. Yes. Um, but that, that kind of example, I, I kind of wish I did go because I, I felt so strongly about it. Mm-hmm. But last minute I knew I was going to this conference. I said, I don't really want to get some family time in there. Yeah. Um, so I didn't go, but um, yeah. that was a good example. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, catch me up. We, we just looked right before we hit record that you were on the podcast March of 2021. That's not been terribly long ago, but you know, over a year now, mm-hmm. um, we talked about how to overcome shiny object syndrome. And as you and I both know, it's easy as an entrepreneur to get shiny object syndrome. There's always amazing ideas all around us, but we need the right ideas. So catch us up. Well, I got, let's say for somebody who has not listened to that episode, tell them who you are briefly and your business story real briefly. And then we'll jump into an, uh, an update since that last episode. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I started out selling uh, things on eBay and Amazon, going to garage sales and finding uh-huh. things to kind of flip. Uh, on there, and we, we moved into storage unit auctions because it was so much fun. All that treasure hunting, we said, "Well, how do we make this yes. better, bigger? You know, scale it more." Storage unit auctions. Uh, we did that horribly. Uh, we did not do that the right way at all. <laughs> we quickly moved into solely selling on Amazon, doing retail arbitrage, and building teams across the country to you know see if they could send things in for us for a percentage of the profit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we've done so many things in between. Then I, I got very very into uh, marketing. Uh, when we found uh, you know Jim's community and really focused on audience building and what does that look like and, and, and it kind of dawned on me and clicked um, whoever has the audience uh, tends to win you know online or even physical uh, physical yeah. stores. So I realized that was kind of my future and uh, whatever I was going to be a part of that was going to uh, get me there. Yeah. Um, so we opened up a store and well. Uh, yeah, 2019, uh, August 2019, 
uh, we had gotten a warehouse, which was yeah. a, a big step, you know, for us is, <laughs> is how it felt. It was this, you know, 1500 square foot warehouse. Um, I forget what the rent was looking back on. It was, uh, um, funny that we were so uh, nervous about it. Right. But we've been selling these, uh, liquidation items in my garage and tools, home goods, home improvement stuff. You had people come into your house. Oh, well, you know, I list on marketplace and, okay, okay. Uh, and I meet people at the gas station. Oh, wow. You know? Oh my goodness. Wow. So, I mean, for, you know, my wife, you know, would come down and there'd just be pallets of stuff in the garage and she'd have a little path to the garage fridge. <laughs> um, so it was just constantly um, evolving and changing in a mess. And then we hired yeah. our first employee uh, to list and ship yeah. for us. And he was coming to the house. Okay. Um, we quickly realized uh, we couldn't scale that. There's yeah. just no way. I'm not going to have a garage full of employees um, <laughs> with, you know, kids running around upstairs and, you know, right. uh, a wife get to the fridge. So that's when we got the warehouse. Um, yeah. and, and the rest was kind of history that brought us up into the very beginning of what, what we do now, which is run the retail stores. Wow. So how'd you go from the warehouse to the, um, and I don't know if we covered this on the last episode or not, but how'd you go from the warehouse to that first retail store? It was a, uh, it was a, a little bit of a jump, not as much of a jump as it was from the garage to that first warehouse, okay. Okay. even though I think the rent was like a thousand bucks a month. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we were, we, we could easily justify that. It was still a, a yearly lease. Yes. You know, like, oh man, so we're on the hook for $12,000, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and we haven't proven this retail thing out. You know, I was right. doing all the uh, marketing for, you know, I had an agency. I was helping other businesses with their marketing. Yep. Um, but this was fairly new. So that was the big jump. But once we moved into that location, under the basis that we we're going to do 90% online, you know, we we're okay. going to sell 90% of this stuff online. Uh, we began to hire employees that would list, ship, um, inspect, mm-hmm. and, and, and test everything. And that is how we began. So mm-hmm. once we uh, moved in and we got settled in, customers found out where we were somehow, you know, okay. word of mouth and people started showing up at the warehouse. So people would, um, when you were listing it on um, Facebook marketplace, instead of meeting them at a gas station, you'd have them come straight to the warehouse and pick it up. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But they would go tell their friends. <clears throat> so they would start showing up randomly without messaging oh, wow. us, which, <clears throat> you know, I, I really believe if you're, uh, you know, is another one I felt led, you know, one yeah, of those situations, of we, we just, we needed to lean into that. Yes. Um, because customers obviously wanted to come shop with us. So um, we decided to get a retail store um, yeah. on paper, the worst time in history to open up a retail store. I think it was uh, October of 2020. Um, and, and we decided to go from a 1500 square foot warehouse to a 20,000 square foot store. Wow. And so that was quite the jump. In October um, of 2020, when it, a lot was shut down. Now you were you're in a free state, <laughs> Georgia, mm-hmm. and yes, so, <laughs> so that helped you out, man. But even I guarantee there was some. Okay, I want to die. I want to lean into that. Uh, what you had customers that were coming to you, but that was an awful time to make that jump in the natural, looking at natural circumstances. So um, how do you see that the Lord led you in that direction? And how um, did you like, 
you know, were you praying and you just heard him speak to your heart about opening the store? How, how'd you do that? Because in the natural, that would have been a, a very, took a lot of faith to make that jump. Let me say that mm-hmm. because of everything around you was like, let's shut down. Let's not do this. Um, tell me about that decision that you guys had to make. Yeah. And we all made it all at once too. You yeah. Know? So there's three of us. So anytime we all come to the same conclusion, it's, it's uh-huh. pretty much a, a, a done deal and very, very clear. So yeah. all of us, we, we tend to live our lives, you know, praying to remove uh, most of ourselves so we can see the signs around us and see where yeah. we're supposed to be and see, yeah. um, you know, where we're led. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, so it makes those decisions very clear if we all yeah. come to that conclusion, because we all live, very, very similar lives. And we yeah. all said, you know what? Uh, these are the signs, you know, people are coming up and they're wanting to shop with us. Um, mm-hmm. That wouldn't be happening if it was going to be the wrong decision. So right. I'm, I'm just grateful we were able to remove enough of ourselves yeah. and self-centered, you know, all the, you know, stuff floating around to be able to see that yeah, um, and pay attention. I Did you have so a ton of people coming to the warehouse every day? Mm-hmm. And like, um, and so this is very much like information when you, when three people ask you the same question, it's time to create an offer around that. Um, so you, you just had, you had physical pe- people physically showing up at your location, wanting to shop. How, what did, uh, this is just fascinating to me. Cause how did you do that when you're like, um, sir, what are you doing here? Like, do you remember that first customer <laughs> or the first 10 and they're just shopping around, but you don't have price tags on stuff. Cause these things are set to go on eBay or Amazon and be shipped out. What, do you remember what that was like? It was uh, it was a mess. Looking back on it, it was like, oh man, how did we how did we make it? Right. So it we had you know everything comes in on a pallet, right? So it's all mixed up, right? It's all like just uh, you have a pallet of or is everything on the same is the same thing on the pallet or is it like a big mixture of stuff in this? Oh, it's all different. So it's, are these it's in boxes, big Gaylord boxes? Yeah, Gaylord boxes, exactly. Yeah, and it's just filled to the brim with random stuff. Some in some cases, so you have somebody you have picking to, through it, like one. <laughs> yeah, it was a mess, and they'd end up with this this you know armful, and we'd have to give them a box, so they'd walk up with this box full of stuff that we yeah. How did you, you know, we price inspired. it? Did you go to eBay and like, oh, we have this price on eBay for 20. So, sir, that's 20. This over here is on eBay well, for 60. So that's 60. Usually we use our, uh, uh, the big retailer stores, you know, okay. uh, you know, we use the big retailers and price everything against theirs and, and dropped it, you know, 30 to 60%. Oh, that's right. Okay. So in that, we, we began, but our eBay inventory, we did, we had to keep that separate. And that that created you a whole time to be picking through your eBay inventory because then if you sold it on eBay, you'd be in trouble. And and that happened all the time, all the time. <laughs> How'd your eBay account not get messed up? You sold something that was listed. <laughs> I have no idea. We uh, you know, we always took care of the customer. So when that would happen, we would uh, refund them. Okay. Apologize and offer them, you know, uh, a fifteen percent off coupon their next purchase with us. We yeah. just kind of went above and beyond. But it was, uh, you know, I, I always remember being in the in the warehouse and looking over and see customers walking through our eBay store and thinking, "Oh no, oh no, 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 don't it's shop there." Yeah, so we'd have to, you know. But by then, by the time I got to them, they'd move things all over the place. So oh, because we had everything labeled A one, A two, A three. Yeah. And in the skew, so it told us where to go pick it from. Wow. It was a mess. I mean, how we got started, it was a complete mess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you moved to your store, did you just have the eBay and Amazon inventory behind the scenes, like not out in the public? Yeah. We did. It's one big, huge open building. It used to be yeah. an outdoor store. It's like a miniature Bass Pro shop. Yeah. And we were able to build our own walls 
and uh, and segment 5,000 square feet of that just for online processing and testing. So nobody was allowed back there. And it was amazing. Man, would you suggest, so somebody who's listened to this that has a warehouse for Amazon um, and they are thinking about opening a retail store, maybe it's a thrift store with like Amazon returns. Any quick advice for that person who's thinking about going the retail route? Yeah, I think uh, building the audience was huge for us. You know, I started the retail store thinking I'm going to build a list of uh, people and an audience of people using other people's products to launch my own product to one day. So I think beginning with that end in mind is really, really smart. Uh, So you end up with an asset um, through the retail store. But also, I think, um, you know, brick and mortar if they're beginning to open up their own brick and mortar store, I think doing it with Amazon returns is super, super smart because that keeps your inventory different and it changes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think people are craving uh, good retail stores, Mm. you know, because if you notice, uh, you know, a lot of shopping is is being done online Mm -hmm. and the quality, I think of some customer service and and brick and mortar stores is as a result gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it was very refreshing for customers to come shop with us because we would, uh, we would almost, uh, be over, um, you know, with the customer too much, mm. you know, to the point where it's like, no, really, I'm okay. I'm just going to look around. It's like, but yeah. we just wanted to build that relationship and shopping is more relationship building more yes. than it is transaction. Yes. Um, so getting the, the people, uh, our employees to really see that and build that culture was mm-hmm. really, really important. So I think. Although we did, you know, start in one of the worst times in history, you know, it's uh, I think that's what got us through was the audience building and the relationship building. Yeah. You know, those two things. Uh, without those, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have made it. Yeah. How did you go from one to you got four stores now, right? Mm-hmm. How yep. did, four stores. Well, the fourth will be in November. What did that look like? Well, at the same time I was building the one down here, one of my business partners was building the one in his garage as well. Okay, and we both kind of did that jump at the you know same time. You know, we were always the test stores. You know, it was yeah. nerve wracking because I was always the, the Does test. Does he live story. close to you? He does. Well, now there's three of there's three owners, and we live within eight houses of each other. Oh wow! Oh my goodness! So yeah, very close. Uh, two of my uh, business partners are next door neighbors, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, I'm the Lone Ranger. Eight houses, eight, eight houses down, eight houses away. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. So yeah, he, and then uh, my other business partner, he, uh, he kind of helped me open up the one down here. So. Okay. Wow. And now you got four, where, where are the locations of them? And let's, let's say the names so people can come shop there. Yeah. The, uh, starting in uh, North Carolina, this technically South Carolina, uh, the Charlotte area, Fort Mill. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and then we have one in Dawsonville, Georgia, um, a bit North of Atlanta. Uh, we're going to have one in Roswell, Georgia. Closer to Atlanta, but still north. Uh-huh. And then one in Noonan, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. Okay. And there's Extra Mile so, Tools. Is that what it's called? Extra Mile Tools. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, uh, you could go to the website, but we don't, we don't sell anything on the website yet. We, um, we had a, a very strange problem. We were uh, selling too much on the website uh-huh. and we couldn't keep up because our inventory is limited. So oh. we need more people and we need more inventory to support yeah. the traffic that's on the website. So it was such a good problem to wow. have, but, uh, but we couldn't keep it going. So if you go to the website now, it'll really just um, show you the locations of yeah. the stores and take you to our eBay store, or Amazon store. Do you have a lot? I know you're based on the liquidation model primarily. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 
do you have a lot of stuff that's um that's replenishable that you get like you have wholesale contacts with companies and you're getting the same stuff over and over again we do and i think this might be helpful for anyone who's thinking about opening up a brick and mortar is it was really good to start with liquidation mm-hmm. or anything that you could get at a good deal um, because yeah. everyone wants to save money uh, especially right now so that's a good way to kind of bring customers in but the what you end up lacking is stability yeah. so we wanted to build a tool store where a, a, you know a saw could break or a you know a bit could break on the job and they could come to our store like they would some of the other retailers and just know that we had something. Yeah. So yeah. as a result, we did start, you know, building these relationships with these uh, brands. Mm-hmm. And now we do so quite a bit um, wholesale on a regular basis. Oh, that's awesome. Is that, mm-hmm. would that be easier to put that stuff on the website since that's, you know, stable and you know, you're always going to get that. It would. And, and that is perfect. We, we, we are able to do that. We just don't have the people to manage yeah. that right now. Yeah. So we're, we're also building a prep center and we're also building a brand uh, to organization brand at the same time. So all of our labor resources are kind of spoken for. We're, we're all yeah. just running around like crazy. Except you. Uh, except me. <laughs> so let's get into that. I, when I talked, when I saw you this weekend, I was asking about the number of hours you work and, um, and it sounded like you were working a lot harder in March of 2021 than you are now. And so now you say, basically, you, you don't tell me if I, when you go to your store, they just kick you out, right? Yeah. Uh, anywhere I go, they tell me to go home. So that, that could be any of the stores that could be the distribution center, you know, but I'm just there to um, <laughs> hang out and, and find ways to help them do their job easier. And a yeah. lot of times that's just making them laugh and, and, and seeing how they're doing. I love that. You know, it, but if I touch anything, yeah, then it's it's time for you to go home, Eric. Is it the same way with your other partners? When they go into the store, they tell them to go home too, or do they are they more in the business? Um, Jay, you know, yeah, he's he's probably more in the business a little bit. Okay. He does primarily stay at home, okay, but he does have his his hands in the operation of things a lot okay. more. Yeah, I'm on the outside a little bit, so. Where I used to process our inventory and price it and kind of you know guide that. Mm-hmm. Now I I only uh, do the the marketing, which okay. is I'm kind of on my own little island. Wow. Um, so if I'm in there touching the tool, um, you know, and putting it where it's not supposed to be, then then I get in trouble. <laughs> Thank you. Get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to be home with your girls. Oh my goodness, I love that. How'd you how'd you make that transition? Because okay, tell me about how many you you think you said you worked. What did you say when we asked after lunch? You how many hours you work a week? It, approximately, it was probably three or four hours. And the caveat was my father in law was in town. So yeah. So here's here's how I set up my schedule. Is uh you know a, a successful life to me is is looking at my week and, and having it completely blank on the calendar. Mm. You know, and I think a lot of people get stuck and they need to fill that calendar up to feel like they're doing something. Yes. To feel like they're busy and it's going to pay off and and yeah. it will pay off. But to me, success looks very different. I like to see the empty calendar. Yeah. Um, if I'm too busy, I can't see the opportunities in my business for for real growth. Mm. So even when I was at the conference, you know, we were just laughing a whole bunch. You know, it wasn't like I was doing a, a ton of work. You know, right. but I came back so inspired mm-hmm. um, to and all these other opportunities um, that I wasn't quite seeing before, or I didn't have the courage to see. Some of those you you and Stephen, you know, helped me see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, things that I've always wanted to do and just never have, you know, yeah. you know teach people stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really how, how it happened is um, I, I don't want a full calendar. I really want it yeah. to be empty and, uh, and I can choose what I want to build because mm. I have the team that's keeping what I have yes. built going. Do you, um, do you have to do something every day with your marketing efforts for extra mile tools? No, no. So, uh, you have a system for that? Uh, yes. Yeah. We, we have a system for that and I'm actually teaching someone else. I finally have someone to teach all this stuff to. I'm so Uh excited. Um, cause it's been just me, uh, this whole time, which, uh, which is very limiting because I, I only, you know, am able to do what I see and what I think of. So I love having other people in on that and collaborate but I am able to teach him some of that stuff. Uh, yeah. So he's going to be doing it, but also what we built back in the warehouse still works. You know, the, the yeah. marketing uh, strategy and the audience building still works. So I've kind of yeah. just, I've let that run for two years. You've created the system and now you can teach somebody else how to manage it and run it. And you backed up, you've, you've uh, went up a level. Mm-hmm. So for you with extra miles tools, is it just a lot of time, um, even, or maybe a little time thinking and looking for new opportunities. Like, tell me like what, what part of, you said you work three to four hours a week, but does that include like thinking time, planning time? Cause I, I, I want to, I feel like I'm getting close to your level in this. Um, but I spend, I, I still work way more than you do. Um, but I want to be working on those things and only I can do, I want to be way more up here in my business than I am now. I'm, I'm a lot better than I, w- I was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Tell me what your week looks like with extra mile tools and what you actually, what you're doing. Is it a lot of planning, thinking, looking for new opportunities or what? Yeah. And you were one of the inspirations for all this too. You know, I, I think you, uh, uh, you're only able to do this stuff if the people around you do this stuff as well. You know, yeah. so you being one of those people is like, man, I'd love to, you know, um, be able to automate certain things like, like Ryan does. And, and so I, I definitely, uh, look to you um, for that. Um, but now it's a lot of planning. So when I say work, it was more uh, running ads, um, sure. typing, checking uh, data, you know, adjusting things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always, I don't, it's hard to see a difference between work and personal because I'll, yes. I'll go on a walk. Yeah. You know, and be thinking um, about business. Yeah. And then something will hit me. And I'll say, well, I never thought of that angle before. You know, yeah. uh, I'll be having a conversation. Here's a great example. I'll have a conversation with one of my good friends for 20 years, and he's a big golfer. And he said, you know, I think I'm going to stop, uh, uh, you know, eating sugar so I can play golf better. Mm. You know, I'm thinking, who says that? That's such a, I've never heard of that angle before. Of any uh-huh. of these, you know, sugar-free info product people uh-huh. uh, thought of that angle, you know? So, yeah. so things are, you know, there's no separation between right. business and personal. So, yeah. uh, so when I say work, it was actually sitting down and, and, and working, but at the same time, if I'm talking about work, I've got to count it as work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, right. uh, right. so my week is basically, um, what do we need to grow? Uh, a lot of my planning and my conversations with the other two partners are, are very, very high level. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how to ring somebody up in my store anymore. You know, I don't know how to do the, the simplest of tasks. Yeah. And it's more, for instance, you know, what conversation we were having before was uh, we're building this prep center and, and what do we want that to look like? And now we want to serve the Amazon selling community, not just with prep, but with a uh, PBC and listing creation and yes. all that stuff. Yes. And, um, 
and even uh, even down to, hey, well, extra mile tools is doing well. Is there is there a business we could buy, you know, yeah. to kind of bolt on to extra mile tools? We yes. never had conversations before. Awesome. You know? Yeah. What kind of business would be um, if you if this? I don't want to get too personal or get into anything that's confidential between your partners. But uh, what, um, is there is there a certain type of business that you think would be a perfect fit that you could bolt on to what you're doing? Uh, something like boiled peanuts would be really fun. You know, we, we put <laughs> we could put in our parking lot. Um, I, I know we joked like, we joked about that, but you're serious about that, aren't you? Oh no, I was being serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And tell me why why a boiled peanut? Why why in the world would a tool retail store want to have boiled peanuts or think about buying a boiled peanut company? And, and this could be so. I mean, this could be a whole another topic. Uh, a whole another, <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to derail too much, but okay. when we. When we made the shift, I, I promise it'll, it'll all make sense in the end. When we made the shift from thinking, hey, we have really cool products. Who are we going to sell our products to? To what? who do we want to serve? Mm. And, and, and that customer was the contractor, the people who use tools to make money. But it was also the DIY guy in Dawsonville, Georgia, who's going to you know, fix his deck by himself. You know, just handy guy, wants yeah. to use tools. Um so what else does that person buy? Mm. You know, so you walk out into our parking lot and, and 19 out of 20 cars are, are pickup trucks. Yep. Um, so truck accessories. Um, what else does that person buy? Well, they love being outside. So now we're, you know, we're carrying paddle boards. We're carrying tents. Wow. Um, they, they love. Did you interview tents. your, um, did you talk to your customers to get to say, Hey, sir, would you buy, if we had paddle boards, would you buy paddle boards? Um, if we had boiled peanuts, would you buy them? Like, how did you, <laughs> uh, did you make, did you talk to anybody before deciding to bring those into your store? Uh, not directly. I, I have interviewed hundreds of contractors just uh -huh. for our, our tool organization brand that we're building. Uh -huh. So I do know, you know, kind of how they think. Sure. But a lot of this was done early on. You know, okay. I, I used to work in the retail store six days a week, you know, yeah. and I took Sunday off. Yeah. Um, but that allowed me to really get to know who these people are yeah. and what a, what a good day looks like. What do they do on their time off? What are they, yeah. what around the local area do they like to really You were unofficially surveying them just by having conversations. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said earlier, it's all about relationships. Yeah. You know, wow. So when you, when you make that shift, and I think it's difficult, but possible for, you know, someone who's selling on Amazon, um, what else does this person like? Mm. And you start building a brand around serving that person. That's when our, our company shifted mm. when we started yeah. thinking like that. Yeah. So the boiled peanuts that you just know that they would enjoy that. So you thought we're like, you're going to, have you gone that you actually done that yet? Or you're about to do that? Not yet. We're, we're uh, talking to, to some people uh, yeah. about that. That was just an example. I think, uh, you know, for our brand, uh, Rebel Tool Co., it's a, it's a tool organization brand yeah. where you store your mount, your batteries and these mounts and you keep them, you know, organized. Mm -hmm. um, something like an audience would be an example of what I would love to, to purchase and bolt on to that business mm -hmm. because I, now I have the, the product, but now I need the audience. So maybe it's, a, yeah. you know, some influencers on YouTube or, yeah. or whatever. So, so if I was a, a blogger or a YouTube person and I had those people in my audience, you might essentially just buy that, buy my business or something. Exactly. Or partner with exactly. me in a creative way. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and when you start getting out of your business a little bit, you get to see things a little bit differently. So I, I could never do that if I was ringing people up for six days a week. 
So building a team for me was so important because it allowed me to see these other opportunities that I never would have seen mm. um, if I'm just in the business. And, and yes. that is, to me, what the owner, um, if you look at what uh, in an ideal world, what the owner should be doing is, mm. is creating the vision, uh, making sure there's uh, enough money in the business and building relationships. Past those three things, there's not a whole lot that I see. Um business owners should be doing or they should work uh to to get there create a vision make sure there's enough money in the business and build relationships and and wow. that's it pass those three things bring someone else in uh to to do those for you mm-hmm. that is so so good do you think that's across the board in any kind of business i think so yeah, yeah. i think so so my my whole goal with everything i've done is is constantly trying to replace myself and yeah. my Joel, uh, my job is not primarily just to find new sourcing opportunities or find new marketplaces to sell yeah. on or any of that. That's not my yeah. job. My job is to go find people who can do that better than me. Wow. You know, so that's my job is to bring people in who are eventually going to, they're going to ship better than me. They're going to list better than me. They're going to uh, answer messages better than me. They're going to find new creative ways to bundle this stuff to sell online yeah. better than me. Um, that's my whole job. It's not me. It, it, and it took a lot of pressure off once I realized that that's not my job. That doesn't have yes. to be my job. It's not yes. just me. Um, let's yes. bring people to really help. What do you tell to the person who's like at a point, maybe that <clears throat> they're not, not where you are in business and they're about to make, you know, maybe they've already outsourced um, part of their business, but they're about to hire somebody else to take even more off their plate. Um, thinking, man, this person's going to be a little bit expensive for me. It's kind of a jump, a leap of faith to pay this person two grand a month, three grand a month. Maybe it's even a VA at 500 a month. Mm-hmm. Get over that hump and thinking they know that like, okay, I, I've done, I've done in this past. I've, I outsourced this piece and it did free me up and my business grew, but man, this one's a little bit, this person's more than $10 an hour. There's persons, you know, how did you guys get over that? Because um, I'm sure there was points where you're like, wow, this is going to cost us a lot of money to hire this person, but it should free us up to focus on other things that bring more business in. Absolutely. There's a lot of fear with that because you're, you're not only it's a liability for your business, but now you're, you're responsible for someone else's paycheck and someone else's income, which is yeah. terrifying. That's the last thing I'd want to do is go to someone and say, you know what, we, we can't pay up. Um, right. Or, you know, you need to find a new job. Mm-hmm. So, it was a leap of faith, but I think it was the only way to grow and yeah. scale when yeah. it was hiring a team and, and thinking in that way of I'm constantly going to replace myself and find people better at this. Cause that was, that's a, another issue. And another topic was, will somebody be able to do it as, as well as me? Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that is they, they don't want to give up the control and it's their baby. And I, and I completely understand that. Yeah. Um, but I, at some point when I made the switch to, we just want to scale. We want to be able to create more jobs for people mm-hmm. uh, to be able to create more jobs. We need a bigger business. Yeah. Uh, we have higher aspirations for ourselves, yeah. but I had to get over that and say, these people are going to come in. They're going to make a ton of mistakes and that's going to be okay mm-hmm. because they're going to learn. Yeah. Uh, I made a ton of mistakes and I still make a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Um, if I don't learn from them then that's where we have issues, but mm. um letting the the employees know come in make tons of mistakes it does not matter we're we're going to learn 
uh, or we're going to build this thing together um, yeah. through the vision that that we created. So mm. I think that's that's the biggest thing is is it's a leap of faith. Yeah. Um, if you if you don't want to employ people, I, that's totally fine. I've, I've met people that do that, but I cannot imagine my life and the freedom I get if yeah. I, I not do that. Right. I mean, you, you, you'd be capped. I mean, you, you'd only have, you could only have one retail store. You probably wouldn't even have a retail store. Would you, if it was just, <laughs> you couldn't do it by yourself. You'd, you'd be back in your no, garage. I'd be in my garage. You'd be in your I garage. Would, not, not even that. I would have moved on, you know, so going back to our, our first podcast episode, you know, with, uh, uh, I would have moved on. It would have been a shiny object syndrome. I said, yeah. I would have said, this is too hard. This does not work. Now I'm going to go find something else. So maybe now I have yeah. a hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, now, now around selling opportunity, products. opportunity. Wow. Exactly. Our, um, employees are actually free, right? I mean, aren't they in a way they're free because they should be bringing in your, your business grows. So it makes, makes their salary, not even an issue. Exactly. Yeah. They, they can be, you can, you can literally get free employees also. Um, just, you know, I'm thinking about doing the, go to your local college and, uh, you know, they all have a marketing program saying, do you have any yeah. interns that, you know, need some experience. Sure. Uh, and literally free, you don't have to pay them anything, but even if you pay somebody a salary, what they output should be more than what you're paying them. So I mean, just trying to help people mm-hmm. get the, to have the proper mindset when hiring somebody. Exactly. Exactly. They're going to, create opportunity for you mm-hmm. where there wasn't an opportunity before. So, um, yeah. you know, and we track that, we do our best to track that and say, well, yeah. we're paying this person $18 an hour. How much per hour output are we actually getting? And it is well over $18, mm-hmm. which allows us to grow the business, pay our employees more, um, not only yeah. pay them more, but bring more people in. Um, mm. and how do you track that? Give me an example of how that's tracked with one of your guys. Yeah, well, that's more my other business partner, uh, Carrie. He's, uh, I mean, he he loves math and he's okay. very, very good. And, and if he talks about math for too long, I thought I was good at that, but he will lose. So I me probably very shouldn't quickly. have him on the podcast. He'll bore everybody. No, no, it, it would just, oh man, it, I don't know how he does it, but he tracks a lot of that stuff. So he'll, okay. he'll realize, okay, well, this person gets paid $20 an hour, but we got $110 per hour worth of labor, billable labor. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe in the prep center or whatever it is, which yeah. allows us to yeah, that makes sense. get a bigger prep center, hire more people, bring on more clients, serve them well, yeah. all of that. So yeah, it is important to see. It's also mm. remember when you discovered Amazon FBA and, and I was blown away. I didn't sleep the whole night that I discovered right. it. Right. And the reason was the idea of making money while I slept was so cool to me. You yeah. know, and I wasn't I wasn't mowing lawns, I wasn't trading my time for money. Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot like this was. Um, so I would go up for lunch, you know, upstairs with the employee in my basement, and he would be listing and shipping things. And I just remember how how free that felt. Um, that it was the uh, the fear of oh man, so if if something happens to me, my business goes away. That was gone. That was yeah. totally gone when I, I brought yes. on that employee. So um, yeah. and that just gets better and better and better. Now we have an executive team, and it's yes. you know, it, can't imagine this type of freedom. Right. It's a level though. You didn't start there. That's the first when that, that for, I remember that very first time when we were selling furniture on Craigslist and I was doing deliveries by myself. The very first time that we hired somebody to do a delivery for me, like, whoa, what do I do now? I'm open. I can list more. I can either spend more time with Melaine. Talon wasn't around at the time. We could spend more. We can hang out together. We don't have to think about the business or I can now be listing more ads on Craigslist to get more business because now I'm not out on the road. 
So, man. Absolutely. Mm. That's so big. Yeah. This is so good. Okay. So think about Amazon sellers. Take yourself Mm -hmm. back to where you're doing selling on Amazon. You're doing all yourself. And I guess it also depends on what the person's goals are. Because some people's goals are to have a bigger Amazon business. Some people, their goal is to um, scale up Amazon, bold it down and work on something else. They have another business idea or dream. But so for the person, walk me through what you would do if you wanted to build a bigger Amazon business and you're out doing, you're doing retail arbitrage right now and you're prepping and shipping that item, those items for yourself. What is a, what's your model of growing that bigger? I don't know if this is viable anymore, but we had a pretty large team of people across the country that was shopping for us. I remember that. Yes. That was my favorite. Yeah. That was my favorite because it not only it was a, it was kind of like Uber, you know, you you really, you're going to Uber if you need some extra money. Yeah. Um, Or Instacart or whatever those services are. They're they're brilliant because they, you were working on a course at one time, right? For that. I, I was. And then, yeah, Judy and I started doing the team building course, which, yes. you know, kind of was the, the second part of that. Yeah. We all got busy in shiny object syndrome. So that sure. didn't happen. Okay. Let's, let's, do, so let's <laughs> scroll down. Let's, let's, uh, let's do that. Let's talk about that. So I'm an Amazon seller. I want to grow. Um, uh, would you outsource prep and ship pretty quick or would you hire a shopper first? I would, well, it, it's both. So huh. I would hire a shopper. Um, huh. And if you're not local, you know, they're prepping and shipping their own items. Yep. And they're doing that because they want to get paid. How would you find that person? You, you live in Atlanta. How are you going to find a shopper in Dallas? Well, it could just be someone, you know, um, yeah. uh, very well, you know, there's, there's safeguards, you know, you don't have to give someone a business credit card with an open yeah. limit. Well, actually, a, for those of you guys that are intrigued about this, Abe McMahon is doing this exact business model and he, um, I'll find the episode where I talked with him, but he outlines that he gives them a credit card and these are people he trusts. And I think he splits the profit 50, 50. So he's super generous. Um, you don't have to do that. I think you could pay them hourly or by output or whatever, but um, yeah. So, okay. So keep talking. So you're going to find, you're going to start with, let's say I I'm looking for a part-time job. We know each other. Well, you may ask me to start shopping for me. Would you just give me access to some training or you train me yourself? We would, uh, we normally went out there. So oh, okay. we would take a little trip and go out there and, and we would kind of explain to them what to do. Um, kind of walk them through the seller app, send them a couple videos okay. to watch. So they had an idea because you don't, when you're first starting out, you don't even know what questions to ask. Yep. So we tell them to go out there and, and spend a couple of days, you know, really sourcing and, and getting a hang of scanning things. Mm-hmm. And then we would go out there and answer the questions they did have. You know, yeah. I found that if you go out there and train them in the very beginning, um, they don't know what questions to ask. And that time could be better yeah. spent uh, if they did it the other way. But, but uh, yeah, we, we did, I guess, similar to what Abe's doing. Uh, I don't quite know what he's doing, but we would have tier systems. So, okay. We would give them our credit card, you know, yeah. and put a limit on it. In some like cases. an employee card or something to where it's in my exactly. name. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any issues, but there's a certain limit on it. Yeah, absolutely. And we would do, uh, uh, man, what I forget our numbers. This was like, <laughs> it feels like it was 10 years ago. Um, we would uh, have different tiers and it was depending on, on what their output was, what their okay. profit was. We would track okay. it all through inventory lab. They would prep and ship. If it was uh, something like less than uh, $5,000, they got 25%. If it was $10,000, they got 50%. Okay. Um, $15,000 and above, maybe it was uh, 75% of the profit. So 
everything was incentivized to make good purchasing decisions. Yeah. Um, because you wanted to tear up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe we were being too generous too. I don't, I don't know, but, um, but that's really how we liked doing it. Um, uh, because we did have a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, the, the, there's a couple of different kinds of people, entrepreneurs and people who just want a job, right. neither one's fine, but we found ourselves uh, when we had all those entrepreneurs, that was the best way to incentivize them. Interesting. So you were talking about lunch. We were talking about entrepreneurs versus uh, worker bees um, mm-hmm. that you, you need the worker bees in your business, uh, the, in your retail store. Um, but then, so for this opportunity, you'd want somebody who, is an entrepreneur that um, is incentivized by, you know, the, those bonuses. Exactly. And it's going to yeah. think outside the box. And, uh, yeah. and I used to think I wanted all entrepreneurs, uh-huh. you know, because uh, that's all we do. We, we solve problems and we think of new businesses yeah. and we start them. Um, but that thought just left me with, Oh man, now we have 80 million ideas. Um, we have, we have a business of shiny objects. Right. That's all it is, you know, with no substance. There's no one actually making sure this stuff actually got done. Right. So right. then we needed a healthy balance. So, good. Um, but yeah, we did have a lot of entrepreneurs for the shopping and that allowed them to just think really outside the box and make that pretty successful. Yeah. So you would do that over um, getting a warehouse and a prep team. You'd, you'd probably try to grow it with other people versus within your own or maybe would you would you also have a warehouse there locally with your person, your you and your your team that are um, shopping locally too, or would you just keep it to where they're out there um, prep and shipping at home? We, I just kept it to uh, the prep and ship at home because okay. Amazon was storing the inventory. I didn't need the overhead of yeah, exactly. Interesting. The only reason I would get a warehouse is if I was going to you know have some brick and mortar stuff. Okay. So what do you do with all the returns? You know, you can have yeah. Amazon destroy it. You can have Amazon uh, send it back to you. I, I may open up a store just full of um, Sorry, Amazon that stuff. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Man, I could talk yeah. to you forever. This is something I'm learning a ton just from hearing you talk. So this is, a, you know, a huge blessing to me. So thank you. I want to get, um, we can have more episodes too and go deeper on any of this stuff. But you said something at the end of the day on Sunday when we were leaving, Um a friend asked you, Stephen, who asked you, hey, would you ever be interested in going to such and such conference? And you said, um, yeah, it be, sounds like a cool opportunity, but no, because it would distract me. How would a conference distract you? And how are you that disciplined that you think that you, that you would, you know, you know, that's awesome that you know that you should just stay away from that. Um, but that you've got to dialed in then that your focus Um is it, is it because you've gotten over shiny object syndrome and you know that that would just put you right back into it or something? I just know myself better than I yeah. did a year ago. But I, yeah. I even went to the conference uh, consciously deciding I was going to watch myself around uh, Delia and Jenny. <laughs> because they have so many good ideas. And, and for those of you who don't know, Delia, she, you know, does a, she's super, super smart. Delia or uh, Jenny Hunt. Um, but whenever, whatever the reason I get around them and ideas just happen. Yes. We yes. each lead with five ideas Yeah, that we're super pumped about and we just never follow through. So, right. so knowing that, you know, <laughs> that's just another level of the solution of shiny object syndrome. Right. But when he's talking about the conference. It, it is a conference I've always wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear it's amazing and super fun. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you get a lot of good stuff from it. 
but that is not my wheelhouse. And, and probably the most profitable word that I've learned to say ever is no. Mm, yes. um, you know, and I've always heard that and I've, it's always made sense to me, but I've never been able to do it. Yeah. Except for this past year. Yeah. It's, uh, there are so many ideas and things that I want to do. And I'm the type of person that if, if I hear someone is selling a lot of hot dogs somewhere and, and how profitable this hot dog stand is, well, I'm like on eBay shopping for hot dog stands. Right. Then, well, I'm going to do it too. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that very well might be profitable. And I think that's the abundance part of business, yes. right? Is there yes. are so many opportunities and there's not one right one. We yeah. get so settled on, uh, we need to find the right model. Yes. Uh, but if you keep asking yourself that, then you end up with five or six models that are unrelated. And, yes. you know, um, uh, he who chases two hares catch, catches zero. You yeah. know, that was my life. I was chasing five rabbits, um, catching none of them. That's so it was, uh, it was an, a reluctant, no, I, I would not go. Yeah. Do that with, a, with a hot dog cart idea. Um, is there any, would you, if you saw a cool opportunity like that, do you, would you ever have any interest or this would, or would the answer also be no, because it would occupy brain space of saying, I think I have a cool idea. I don't want to personally do it all by the hot dog cart. I will find somebody locally to run it for me. And it's a whole other business that we're doing. We're testing, or maybe you get one of your guys who has some extra time that does the hot car, hot dog cart for you. Maybe this guy doesn't work on the weekends. So you want to test with him and say, Hey buddy, um, you're an awesome worker. Do you want to make some extra money? I have an idea. I can't personally do this. I'll buy the cart and have you test it for me. Is there, would that ever be of interest or do you think, no, that's just also just another distraction. Cause now I even have to have conversations with him about this and that's taken me off of my focus. That's my boiled peanut idea. Yeah. Okay. If I, if I was gonna but buy that boiled peanut bit. idea goes in with your store. And so I see where that's not necessarily a distraction because it's within extra mile tools, but and a hot dog cart, I actually could be too, but um, I'm just thinking, okay, let's say you have another, an extra idea that doesn't fit in at all with extra mile tools or rebel co company. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm, this is just thinking, cause I have ideas like this too. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering, um, so you're helping me as I'm just thinking this through, would it ever make sense to hire a VA to try this such and such idea or hire somebody here locally to test out something in a very small scale to see if there's merit here? Or does that even the idea itself, um, is it even that a distraction that now I'm going to have to think about that business opportunity <laughs> or is there, is it okay to think about it at the beginning? Because now it's, because if it works, then it's great because it's okay to occupy a little bit of brain space on something that's bringing me money in. Cause maybe all I have to do is look at it at a, at a report that how much that business made. So help me yeah. think through that. You know where I'm going with it. Um, if it's something that's outside of what rebel tools does and your extra mile tools, would you ever start a new business venture with somebody else to test it out? If it's unrelated then no, if it would not fit in my box and I would not. And, okay. and that's, um, the boiled peanut thing is uh, is unrelated, but it is related. So yes. buying a boiled peanut business would bring that business owner into it to yes. scale it because what they're yeah. looking for is money and staff. Yeah. Yeah. If we have money and staff to throw into that business, well, now he can scale it. Yes. You know, but That's he good. can scale it, not me. So yeah, not you. If it's uh, if it's it depends on the team. If it's me doing something and I'm going to hire someone for fifteen dollars an hour. 
to go start this thing, um, then no, I would not do that okay. because that, that would be me mentally starting it and planning yeah. it, and figuring it out and tracking it um, yes. and, and reporting back to him. And yeah. ultimately it would be hands off, but it would be, um, I would have to start that. And, and yes, it goes back to the, I want my schedule to be free. My, my yeah. schedule, I would always need, be needing to th- be thinking about something. Yeah. So like a Turo business, for example, are you familiar with that? Like with cars? Oh, yeah. So yeah. like if you had a guy that you think would be perfect for it and you could fund the cars, you could get it going for him, you'd still say no to that opportunity because that would be unrelated to the tool business and it would just cause you to be distracted on that. Right. Well, now I could say yes, because my team is is tiered up. So yeah. it's no longer the $15 an hour people, but now it's the, you know, now it's the managers. Now it's the people we pay salary. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be something that goes back to my job as the owners to paint the vision. Mm-hmm. It's their job to make that vision happen. Yeah. So it's now my vision. I, I try not to do this to them because it would drive them crazy. But if it's my uh, uh, vision mm-hmm. to now we're going to go train elephants, <laughs> then then it would it would now be their job to go buy right. some elephants and figure yeah. out how to train. You right. know. Right. So it also depends on the the team. And again, I would never do that. That was a ridiculous example. (laughs) But (laughs) it would be fun to have that many elephants, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, But then I would. That'd be an example. So it really depends on the team and their capability and what you you already had people underneath you that could execute it completely and you didn't have to really think about it. Yes. We have a manager who who runs all all the stores, the distribution store, and is opening up a prep center. And he is amazing at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been, um, and we have several guys like that, but they're yeah. all, they're all amazing people, you know, so we have not built this, this company with, uh, with the three of us, mm-hmm. it's been the, the 46 other people who are just, they, they blow you away. And so, yeah. you know, so, um, and they really, really like working here too. So yeah, that's awesome. That's the other part of it is, is what mm-hmm. you're doing for them. Yeah. That's so cool. You just go get to go in there. So when you get the boiled peanuts, you can get to go in and laugh and eat boiled peanuts with them at the same time. If I could just get paid just to not even do the marketing, but just go in and laugh with these guys. Yeah. Say hey to these guys and see how they're doing. Yeah. Take them out to lunch. Then that would be my dream. If that's all I had to do. You could totally do that. You're there. Um, My, uh, just this fun tidbit. My brother worked at a, and we'll wrap this up here. It's been a long episode, but I could talk with you forever. Um, my brother worked at a hardware store when he was in high school, a small town, Pendleton, Indiana. It was a true value hardware. I think the, it was a, that's obviously a bigger brand, but this, the two owners had a franchise of it in Pendleton. My brother worked there and they served popcorn completely free. So they'd have people just hanging out, eating popcorn. Um, and it was just a fun atmosphere for the customers. Now, I, I think I could imagine that with your boiled peanuts, your guys that come in, want to take a break, eat some boiled peanuts, just, just hang out and chat with other contractors, chat with your employees when they you know, weren't doing, weren't biz, so busy. Um, it's just a fun place to hang out. And I don't know, I really, imagine your, your store is probably already like that. I love that. Yeah. Because they do, you know, everybody knows everybody and it's smaller town. So they walk yeah. in and they, and they just want to hang out. And, and like I said earlier, it's, it's all about relationships. It's not transactional. Yeah. You know, that's what you don't get to do online. Exactly. You know? and, and that's what marketing is, is trying to do that online, but it's, it's right. very difficult. So you're right. It's drinking coffee and, yeah. and eat so your hot dog card idea may not be a bad one because that would bring them potentially there for lunch. It, it, yes. Would yeah. you? Okay. So, okay, man, this is fun. Okay. I know. Would I know. you have a, if you had, if you brought in the boiled peanuts, that's not a lunch thing, but if you brought in hot dogs and chips, 
would you sell those even maybe at cost just so gets guys in the door to buy your hot dogs and they may buy a drill bit while they're there? Or would you make it like the cheapest hot dogs and maybe you make a little bit of profit, but would you make them the cheapest hot dogs in town so that you are the place for hot dogs? <laughs> or mm-hmm. does that then bring in a whole bunch of other people that aren't going to be tool owners and it clogs up your store? <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably would. Um, it, it probably would bring in a bunch of tool owners that wouldn't clog up the store. I'd love it. I'd love what about it. like the public? Like, like if I get wind of it, I'm not a handyman, but I live in Dawsonville, Georgia, and I hear that you guys have dollar hot dogs. And I bring my family in there, and we're just, you know, we grab hot dogs and hang out for a little bit. Is that a is that a good thing because it gets me into your store, or is that a bad thing because now I'm hogging up the aisles and I got kids running around and. I don't it's know a fantastic thing. Okay. It, it really is. So you hang out at a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Right. <laughs> That's like, true. <laughs> yeah. So if, if I can, my job as a marketer is to bring people to the store. It's not uh-huh. to sell them stuff. That's, okay. that's the sales. You know, that's the sales part of it. Uh-huh. Uh, my job as a marketer is to bring them to the store. And I'm, I'm, that's such a great example, you know, but, uh-huh. uh, you know, like a food truck. We had a food truck there and uh, I, I didn't pay him any money. He didn't pay me any money. I didn't want to profit from it. Um, but I wanted another reason for people to come into the parking mm, lot. That's good. So I would absolutely do that. Okay. I, I'd love to have a line of food trucks, you know, that's wow. so fun to me. That's cool. Well, yeah. it seems like if I was a food truck owner, I'd love to be in your parking lot, especially if you already have the customers, you have people coming there to shop. I'd love to be there. Most of them charge. Most of them will say, you know, give me 500 bucks and I'll come for the day. Um, luckily really? for me is we, we built this huge audience. Yeah. Um, so we're able to promote um, them while they're in the parking lot. Is because doesn't do the guy who does your videos, that, that kid that we saw on the, I don't know his name, but um, you said he was the best mm-hmm. at your videos. Um, yep, yep. Would he go out there and show the food truck? And I mean, that would be content then that I could use on my social media page. Absolutely. He would then share it with his audience. That's- we have a, you know, we, we might have 50,000 people between email and text and messenger and Facebook and TikTok. Well, it seems like Instagram. if I'm a food truck owner, I would not, I mean, yeah, it'd be great if I could charge you to come there, but I would absolutely come for free. Then uh, they do that. That's the, the, what you get to kind of determine is, is they came for free uh, and we just promoted them and he did yeah. really, really well. My daughters went and did a, a cookie stand um, in the parking lot and I, I promoted it and they made way more money than a five and six year old should make. Yes, Whereas a time awesome. four and five. Um, yeah. so, so whoever, I mean, you can, if you do have the audience, you're able to kind of yeah. wow. negotiate. I know we, uh, we talked about how you get people in the store. That's a whole other episode. And I think um, if, if Steven and I can work with you to make that a reality, a course or a membership about how to get people into your store. Um, I think that's a whole other episode. We can have you on to talk about that, but um, I'd love to, I'd guys, love he to. has an amazing way to get people in the store. Um, just go to extra mile tools. I mean, even if you're not in the retail business, go to extra mile tools on Facebook and follow them because you'll just see how awesome that that page is and what he does. Because if you have a, we're going, we want to test it on a restaurant too. So I want to mm-hmm. find out that I think it can work, but even thinking about ministry, could you use your same strategy to get people to go to church? You know, what would you offer there? And, you know, it'd be worth the test at least. Absolutely would. I mean, it, there's, it's going to work forever. There's a way to blend physical and, uh, and online. Yeah. With everything, with everything you do, there's a way to blend it. And I think that's where we need to live. Uh, man, thank you so much. This has been, I took a ton of notes. I'm going to, yeah, create a vision, 
for the, this is what the owner must do. Create a vision, keep an eye on the money in the business and build relationships. That's it. Those three things. And I hope I didn't, there's a lot of topics in there. I hope I didn't derail everybody. No, this was awesome. I love it. I'm the one that derailed it talking about now we have a hot dog stand and (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. That's my fault. So cool. Eric, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. I know. Absolutely. Definitely have you on again. I'd love to love being here. Thanks. Bye-bye everyone. See you next week.